Hi, I'm Katherine Gordon for Mainly Matters, and this is the Outdoor Life Channel. On this channel, we interview people from around the state about what makes our outdoor resources so incredibly special. Today's guest is Tom Roth. Tom is here to talk about his new book called A Sporting Year in Maine. He is also a longtime columnist for the Maine Sportsman and is a registered Maine fishing guide on Sebago Lake, where he resides. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Now, before we start talking about your book, tell us a little bit about your sporting background and how you got interested in the Maine outdoors. Well, I've always been a lifelong outdoorsman. My father and grandfather introduced me to fishing at a very young age. And uh, when I went to college, uh, I got into deer hunting with my roommates. uh, So they introduced me to some more. I did bird hunt with my father. That was the only thing he did. And uh, through work connections and a lifelong friendship, I've had the opportunity to to fish and hunt with some really good mentors uh, that have shaped kind of how I handle myself in the outdoors and, and uh, you know, expose me to a lot of different things as well. So I think I've got a pretty well-rounded uh, outdoor career, and, and I translated that into a, a, a part-time guide business as well. I thought that was the next logical step. That's perfect. Now, now how long have you been a registered Maine fishing guide? This will be my third season, and my, my plan was to do that when I was retired um, fully, but I decided to do it a little earlier. I moved into the family home on Sebago Lake a couple of years ago and felt that was the perfect uh, place to guide anglers on Sebago Lake, to be on the lake and, and guide. And, of course, I've you know, essentially grown up on the water anyway uh, and know it pretty intimately, so I decided to start early, get the jump on it before I fully retired, and, and I'm happy I did. I work part-time right now doing that. Yeah, that's a beautiful lake with a lake trout and salmon, and that's just a beautiful area. Um, How many guides are there on that lake, and and how well do you all work together? Yeah, there's probably a core group of about eight or so uh, guides, and most all of us except one or two are part-time, so we have other full-time jobs, and we do it part-time. But uh, we all got together um, a few summers ago and agreed to work collaboratively and not individually, uh, no competition, which I guess in, in the seventies and eighties, some of the guys were kind of cutthroat there. And, uh, it's all about the resource. It's all about putting new people onto fish and giving them an enjoyment of, you know, Maine and outdoors and specifically Sebago Lake and, and its bounty. So we agreed to share work. We agreed to share information. We tell each other where the fish are, where we're having luck, what we're using. So it's a, it's a really great collaboration with all of us. And, we work together for again the you know the, the resource and for the uh, the sports the clients that we take out. Yeah, how great is that? That's wonderful. Now, and you've been a guide, uh, a, an official guide. I know you've been outdoors your whole life, but official guide for a few years now. Let's let's go back to your testing experience because I ask all the guides that come on the show like, what was their test experience like? How did you find the the guides test to be? Well, I had a really good experience with it. I passed the first time, and I I think I owe it to a couple things. One, just I was. I was testing on something that I knew and I did, you know, this is what I do. I fish. I also have a recreation license as well. So I fish and I recreate and, and spend all of my time outdoors. I'm, I'm fairly well-rounded outdoors person. I, I do most everything, not, not everything, but most everything. And I took a guide prep class with Steve Beckworth, uh, Beckwith, a, a noted guide in Southern Maine. And that was crucial because the, as you know, the map and compass component is pretty hard. And I hadn't used a map and compass since I was in scouts as a young kid. So that helped me. I um, also got my first aid certificate through that. 
and gave me an idea what to expect. But uh, at the end of the day, when I met with these these two guides, and they were they were older, well established guides, it was like sitting down and talking to somebody about something you love. Um, they they bombarded me with questions. They tried to trip me up, <laughs> yeah, they um, do. <laughs> lead me down some 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 roads there. But you know, it was again, it was it was I was being tested on something I do you know very regularly, you know, almost daily even. And I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I guess they got a kick out of me too, they said. so. Oh, that's great. No, that's great that your experience was so wonderful. It, it's, um, it's quite an experience uh, to go through the testing process. And people that haven't been through it don't really know what it involves. But the first part is the map and compass part. And if you don't get 100 on that, you can't even continue on for the rest of the test. And then there's a written portion and you know right away how, you know whether you pass that or not. But there's this whole middle portion that you really never know till the end, like how you do, because it's all oral and they um, ask you all kinds of questions and hand you all kinds of equipment and things. So I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And uh, I, I can remember sitting in the little lobby area <laughs> and they make you sit and wait while they talk about about whether you pass or fail. And, and the first two guys that were there testing before me did not pass. And I was terrified sitting there because they looked like, you know, Paul Bunyan, <laughs> you know, really typical outdoorsy people. And I, I've told this story before on my podcast, but I had to leave work to go take the test and I had a dress and heels on. So I didn't really look the part. And, and so when I passed and they came out and told me I passed, it was like the best experience, the best, you know, just elated. Um, so I understand how, how that experiences and I ask everybody how they enjoyed it but it sounds like you you did great yeah I, re I really did and like you said it's quite an accomplishment I was very proud of myself uh, you know years ago all you had to do is fill out the application and send your money in and you became a main guide and wore a patch and I, I know a lot of folks that run around with those patches on their shirts and I truly believe that the, the, the testing although it you know some might say it was rigorous it has to be we're, we're taking people out we're emissaries of the state um, taking Absolutely. them out, putting them in what could be dangerous situations. And, and we have to know what we're doing. Um, and uh, I think that's probably eliminated the fly-by-night people and the people that really have no business being in there. Uh, uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's a good process, and I'm, I'm glad I went through it. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed it a lot, and, and uh, the two old-timers that tested me, I, I enjoyed speaking with them as well. Nice. Wonderful. Now, besides fishing, what else do you like to do in the main outdoors? Well, pretty much everything. I love bird hunting. I love duck hunting. Um, I enjoy deer hunting. Um, I haven't got into archery. That's one thing I never picked up. Um, I just, just started with I think that. I have. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a whole other world and all my archery buddies uh, say I should do it because you really see a lot more deer and, and get up close and personal. But to be honest with you, I've, I've got so much going on that it would, you know, I don't know where to, where to start oh, and begin. Yeah. I've got, I've got more toys than I know what to do with. And, and, <laughs> that's a good thing. And, uh, yeah, boats. I mean, I you know my insurance company loves me, but you know I have I have all those tools and and I, I try to stay you know my my outdoor pursuits. I I enjoy skiing. Um, had a great ski season this year. I snowmobile. Um, I trap my own bait generally in the winter nice. and and just try to try to spend as much time out of doors as I can. It's healthy and and it's it's uh, you know it's I try to live a positive life and it's really shaped I think who I am to some degree. You know. Uh, abide by the laws, uh, abide by the rules. And those fish and game rules were really drummed into my head by my dad. My dad was a, a rule follower. And I think he paid more attention to the fish and game rules than he did the traffic laws, although he, he wasn't a traffic scoff law. But 
that it meant a lot to him and and that translated into me as well. That's wonderful. That's that's really wonderful. Um and I think during the pandemic especially ha- you know having that love of the outdoors um especially for me has kind of saved me this past year getting outside and being able to do all those outdoor activities and I think that more people have actually come back to those activities or maybe starting them for the first time. And so that's where I think being a main guide um really helps, you know, and I know that you've been doing some things there with even people that have boats, like giving them like, um, tours of the lake or something. What were you doing with the boats? Yeah. Uh, last year. Yeah. Last year, Sebago Lake got slammed as did anybody water, I think in the state of Maine or, or campground or anything. Um, you know, there certainly was some good that came out of the pandemic despite the, the bad of it, but, um, we saw way more boat traffic on the lake. Um, all of the my friends that own boat yards and such, they were completely sold out, and that's continuing into this year. Their stuff is pre-ordered, and it's already out the door. So there are some businesses that did well. Uh, our guiding was 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 crazy. We were calling each other all the time. We just had so much work and hated to turn people away. So um, that that was positive. Uh, but one of the things you know I noticed is you know when somebody buys a boat and goes on a lake they're not familiar with. It's not like driving a car. There's no license required. There's no check. There's no test. And, you know, they're, they're saddling up a several hundred horsepower machine that weighs several thousand pounds and skimming across the water at a good clip. And, and we saw some foolish operation on the lake this year. Uh, I didn't spend any time at the boat ramp. I'm lucky to dock my boat right at my house, but some of the guides that spend time at the ramps really had some humorous but dangerous stories that they talked about antics at the at the docks and i saw some bad operations just people you know going full throttle right next to you when you're trolling that kind of thing so um i decided to advertise for lake orientation and boat orientation tours uh, which i'm able to do under my recreational license so someone that's uh, in fact i took a i took a group out fishing last summer it was their the guy's father's 80th birthday so he took them on a fishing trip they just bought a place on fry island and um took them out and he got a hold of me this spring he bought a boat and he wants me to take him out show him and, and what i advertise is i'll show you the navigational hazards on the lake Sebago's pretty well marked um but there are some it's a couple tricky spots that tear off the lower units of boats every year um i'll show them where to get gas how to pull up to the dock if they need that information you know what the protocol is uh where you can go eat there's a couple little spots you can motor up to and eat on Sebago. and then of course you know growing up essentially on the lake i know all the history and there's a, a, just a ton of history on the lake you know the 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 world record landlocked salmon the the native american background on the lake and some of that history some of the fables some of the old guides stories so um i'm starting to pick up some clients with that where yeah, I think they that's want a boat really and lake great. orientation that's a great service yeah, that I, really is yeah i remember when my dad uh, bought his property here you know many many years ago um he said he wished there was someone that would take them out and show them that and that always stuck in my head my dad was always always gave me good advice all my life, and and that's one that I'm glad I could put to uh, to use now. And we'll we'll see where it goes. I've had a few people interested in that, and I've made some friends along the way, you know, guiding them as well. I've got a lot of repeat customers this year. That's really so great. It was, it was a great year. Yeah, that's wonderful. And now now we're going to talk about your writing background a little bit. Um, I know you've written um, for a long time uh, for the Maine Sportsman. Yeah, it's, uh, I think 25 years it's been. And, and how I got into that was I was in college at University of Maine at Orono. I had a friend that was a sports editor and he said, hey, would you write a column for the for the Maine, I think it was the Maine, Time, Maine Daily Times or Maine Campus? I think so. Do you remember what it was? I don't. I think it was the, the Daily Campus, I think. In any case, I probably got a copy somewhere, but... Uh, 
So I did, and it kind of turned out, it started out as kind of a joke. I would essentially write a very brief column weekly on kind of the antics that my my friends were involved in and I were involved in. We would, you know, we'd go up to uh, Greenville to George Belmont's dad's place and, you know, we'd have a good time up there on the weekends, which, you know, which college boys, you know what they're going to do when they're up there. They're going to have a little fun, but they're also going to fish. <laughs> they're going to do some ice fishing. So we talked about our ice fishing trips to Greenville and maybe our subsequent trips across the border in Canada to create a little mischief, but uh, we'll leave that, uh, we'll leave that from there. Um, and then just kind of what we were doing. So it kind of be, you know, it was kind of a silly thing and it was fun to incorporate my buddy's names into the articles. You oh, know, yeah. People like to see their name in print. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I was, I was a novice, but, um, and then when I, uh, when I got out of college, I'd always read the main sports, but I, I just read it from cover to cover. It was the Holy grail of, of, uh, of sporting information in Maine. And when I was living in Auburn, the Auburn column opened up, Lewis and Auburn column opened up, there was an ad and I'm like, wow, I'm going to apply. And I applied. I've, I've always enjoyed writing. I've always had a penchant for writing. Um, I've always done well with my writing, you know, uh, whether it was technical writing, you know, for school or, um, you know, personal essays, that type of thing. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Even as a, as a police officer, you know, I had a 32 year law enforcement career. I didn't mind writing reports. And I also didn't mind reading other officers' reports and correcting them. I just, uh, it was just something I it was, it was easy for me to put my thoughts onto paper. And that's just how my head works. That's, so that's great. Now, can you um, give us, are you allowed to give us a little uh, preview of what your next column is going to be? Yeah. So as far as monthly columns, I have write my columns two months in advance. So the May issue that's coming out this month, I will have written two months prior. So right now I'm going to be working on the July issue uh, in advance. So the July, the July issue, and I, and I cover my column is called the uh, Sebago to Auburn region. So I cover both areas. They, uh, they decided to take Sebago and Lewis and Auburn and move them into one column. And, uh, and I have certainly you know, lived in the Auburn area for 30 years and then spent a ton of time in the Sebago region. So I, I think I can cover it pretty well in depth. But uh, typical July uh, in the Sebago region is togue fishing on Sebago Lake, fishing down deep when the, when the fish are down low nice. and trolling and the techniques we use and the bait we use. So it's, it's always a little bit of where to on the, based on your region and a little bit of how to. And then my articles and my style of writing generally starts out with anecdotal. So, you know, I talk about one of last year's fishing trips and how we did and how we started catching salmon in the summer up top, which is kind of an anomaly. So, uh, so that's, that's how I do it. And of course, that's how I kind of, uh, crafted the book kind of along those lines as well as a monthly uh, yeah, process. You, so what was the inspiration to like jump out and write a book? Sure. So, uh, when I was in college, Bud Levitt, who a lot of the listeners are going to know, especially the older ones was a, I think a 40 year newspaper columnist for the Bangor daily news up in Bangor. And he wrote a, you know, an outdoors column and he had some pretty great antics. He was a great friend of Ted Williams, uh, you know, the Red Sox player and, uh, talked a lot about their trips in the woods. And he wrote a book called 12 months in Maine. And I was a wildlife student at Orono. And the New England Outdoor Writers Association was having a scholarship and for college students. And my advisor, Bucky Owen, who was the, uh, the uh, chair of the wildlife department back then, later went on to become a commissioner of fish and wildlife, but great guy. Uh, he said, hey, with your writing, because he'd read my, my campus columns, uh, why don't you apply? You'd, you'd have a good chance of getting that scholarship, especially where it's a writing group that's giving it. So I applied. I got interviewed by him. I was impressed by him. He told me about his book. And there was another guy there. I can't 
sadly, I can't remember who it was, but another, another writer, noted writer. And, uh, I didn't get the scholarship, but what I did do is I went out and I bought Bud's book 12 months in Maine. And he kind of not really closely follows the calendar, but he talks about what, you know, he is an outdoors person and other people do different times of the year. And he, he really throws in some really neat old history about the state and, and, you know, what farm life was like and that type of thing. And he's got some records of uh, the salmon catches on the Penobscot and the Narragagas and some of these other rivers that were pretty fabled fishing destinations in their day. And I remember saying to myself after I got in with the main sportsman and got on this monthly column mindset that if I ever write a book, I think I'll do it like Bud Levitt, but I'm going to follow the months a little closer. He talked about skiing and some other things, which I consider the, the non you know, the non fishing and hunting type sports. So, um, that was always in the back of my head. And, um, two winters ago, it was a long cold winter and I was uh, still living in Auburn at the time. And I said, you know what, I'm going to sit down and write my book. So with, as with any of my writing, I start with an outline. That's how I write. That's how I was taught to write probably in grammar school. And I sat down and wrote the outline and that was pretty easy. It was January through December. And I added a few extra chapters on things that are important to me. Um, so I talked about traveling, uh, a traveling sportsman is, is one of the, was one of the chapters. And I wrote a lot of travel columns in the main sportsman. Fortunately, uh, as an outdoor writer, you're offered a lot of these trips to go to different locations and hunt or fish. And I had the opportunity to go up to New Brunswick on some bird and bear huntings, Prince Edward Island, Canada, uh, you know, Northern Quebec and um, caribou hunts, nice. even the Caribbean on a, on a couple of destinations. And, you know, their goal is to get writers out there and they, they uh, often throw a free trip at you. <laughs> um, and my, my rule with that is, uh, yeah, you can give me the free trip and I'll go, but I'm not going to write about it if it's not a good experience. Um, I'm going to only write about it if it's positive and, and I'm only going to be accurate. I'm not going to, you know, people read that and they make, monetary decisions based on on the reading about a lodge or a guide and um, it's important to me ethically to to portray that in an accurate manner Absolutely. fortunately i had some really great hunts and, and trips so that wasn't an issue i didn't have to omit anything i was able to do it but um another chapter is called at camp um and i think any of us that spend any time in the, in in the main woods probably have a camp story or maybe have a camp somewhere and I've had the opportunity to stay at uh, a lot of camps all over the country, uh, North America. And um, there's some special feelings that are evoked by, you know, sitting around the campfire or yeah, opening absolutely. up the camp for deer season or, you know, and, and I think anybody that has done any of that, that section is really going to resonate with them. Um, there's something magical about getting to that old musty camp. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. so is that your target it. audience? Yep. Is the target audience like people that hunt and fish or is it just anyone that likes the outdoors? What, what is your target audience for the book? I'd say the, you know, the, the, the core audience is going to be main outdoorsmen and women. Um, and you know, which is pretty much what, what reads the main sportsman columns that I write about. And I'm, and I'm fortunate to correspond with a lot of folks that have, have read my column over the years. And when, when we have a main sportsman show when the pandemic's over and we have <laughs> one again, I like to go sit there at the booth and, and meet some of the, the readers. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, but in reality, you know, Maine has quite a mystique. I, the first, uh, people I guided when I, I first had my guides license was a family from France. And no they kidding. came all the way here. They they rented an Airbnb on a nearby lake. And I said, how did you find out about Sebago Lake and, and specifically me? And he said, Sebago Lake is famous in France. It's just famous. And I, I thought that was strange that, you know, 
yeah. but good, <laughs> you know, certainly good. So, you know, I guess the, I guess the appeal for the Maine woods and waters is, is pretty broad. So I think anyone that has been to Maine would enjoy my book. I think anybody that would like to go to Maine would enjoy my book. Um, I try to paint a picture of the state and the resources and, uh, what, in, and again, what an average, I'm an average sports person. That's, that's what I consider myself. I, I'm not an expert, but I've been fortunate to go with a lot of experts and pick up a lot along the way. Um, I think I can put people on fish. So I think I'm a, I'm a decent guide. I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I could, but I think really anybody that has an interest in Maine, whether they've been here or not, uh, would find something in this book. But I think the core of it is written to the, the average outdoors person. Awesome. Now, what, was it a difficult writing process for you or, or how did you write? Was it just No, daily it was, to, you know, uh, Catherine, I wrote it in about two and a half weeks. Okay. Um, believe it or not, I sat down and once I started, it was, you know, I, when I focus on something, I get a pretty laser focus. Anybody that has ever worked in the law enforcement field with me knows that, yeah, boy, when, when Tom gets his mind on something, <laughs> he, he's not done until that person's in jail or the search warrant's written or whatever. But, uh, no, I did. I did. It was a, it was a long winter and, and, and that was how I spent my evenings. I, I got kind of comfy. I, I'll paint a picture for you. I'd, I'd have a shower and put my flannel pajamas on from L.L. <laughs> Bean and make a, make a cup of tea and sit down on my easy chair, grab the laptop and just start hammering away. And that that's was awesome. What I did pretty much every night for two weeks, two and a half weeks. And I wrote it and I stepped away from it. I just completely said, well, there you go. There's, there's, there's my memoir and I'm going to leave it. And then I went back to it cleaned it up. I added some more chapters. I, I added a chapter on, on do- it's called On Dogs, and it talks about hunting dogs that I've known, either ones that oh. I've owned or ones that I've hunted with. And again, if you're a dog person, there's nothing like uh, the pride of a dog that you've raised, oh, yeah. finding a bird, flushing it, and then retrieving it after you shot it. Oh, I can't um, wait to read that chapter. Or, or, or watching a dog work. And, and I'm fortunate that you know I've had a few dogs in my lifetime but I've been able to hunt over a lot of really good ones too. And, um, there's a lot in there, you know, there, there, if you have a dog, you know what I'm talking about. That's a magical, it's a magical thing. Um, I had to put a section in about Sebago. So I added a, a, a chapter called the big lake. Um, those of us from, those of you from Moosehead, that we're going to argue with you because as we know, <laughs> Moosehead's the largest, Sebago's the second largest, but it's the deepest. So I think we'll, 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 uh, I think I can safely call it the big lake. Maybe I should have called it the deep lake, but it's too late. It's, uh, it's coming out to print soon. Um, and then I end the chapter by, I call it tidying up. And, and, you know, like I was taught in grammar school, you have to have an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. And the chapter called tidying up is my conclusion where I kind of weave, I kind of weave it all together. It's my closing thoughts. And it basically says, you know, these are the adventures I've been on and these are the people I did them with. And this is what made me who I am. And, um, you know, this is what a lot of us do on a yearly basis around the state of Maine and, you know, hope you enjoyed it. And that's kind of how I, how oh, I close it. That's, so, that's great. Now, now yeah, and, the book and, does... and then after that, Oh, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ahead. No, I'm sorry. We no, have a little um, bit of a delay sometimes in our, in our podcast here, but I was just saying where, where yeah. your book does give that month by month, um, sort of activity that the average sportsman or woman can participate in across the state. Can you kind of give us like a little, uh, preview of what the May chapter is about. Sure. So, so May would be what um, what we like to do in May in Maine, and, and of course that may vary as to who you are. But it's turkey season for it those is. of us who like to chase turkeys. <laughs> I um, do. Kind of a, that's kind of a new, yeah, it's kind of a new thing to Maine, really, when you think about it. I mean, they haven't been around really since the 
the the nineties, early nineties, but pretty pretty heavily. Uh, exactly. Now. When I was kids, we didn't have them here. That ages me, but I no, we just didn't. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yeah, we didn't have ticks either, so that was uh, a good thing. But but uh, you know, I know. So but uh, but no, I always say that if the state could figure out how to stock uh, deer like they stock turkeys or or any species, really. Uh, we'd we'd be rolling in game, but uh, in, in any case, they have been a success story. Some people hate them, but hey, you know when in Rome, uh, you know there's there's a lot of wild hogs down in down south, and the farmers hate them, but boy, the sportsmen sure love them. So, and um, and I think it's a good it. it's a good um, like if you're just starting hunting, it's a really great beginning hunt to take people on. Um, it it's um, it, I think they could be a little more success successful maybe with with the turkey. Um, and it's a good way to yes. jump in into the hunting if you've never done it before. I always feel like it's a good introductory hunt. But true, yeah, yep. very true. Yeah, it's very like very, it's like deer hunting in that you know there is some downtime. You have to sit and wait. And uh, um, but but yeah, it's a, it is a it is a it's a fun sport. Boy, when those things get gobbling, you get excited, don't it, you? It is. Yeah, I love to hear that sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and there's have- a great story I put in about my daughter. Um, my I have two daughters. They're they're both in college now, nineteen and, and twenty one. Um, and I always exposed them to everything, but never pushed them towards anything, whether it was sports or, you know, academic pursuits or, or the outdoors. Um, they, uh, they love to fish off the dock. Um, they've been doing that since they were kids and they use the, the same Snoopy pole they had as kids and they fight over it. They love to catch those, those June spawning bass off, off the dock. But, uh, uh, there's a part in May where I took Emily, she, my oldest one, she decided she wanted to go turkey hunting. So I had a, I had a great spot behind my house. It was a farmer's property. I had permission and we went out and she shot a, a massive gobbler had a 10 and a half inch beard and it qualified wow. for the long beard society. So oh, nice. um, she, that's in there, that story's in there. And, and, and that meant a lot to me. And, um, that was fun. And then of course, May is also, um, as they say, when the, uh, the leaves on the alders are, are buds of the size of a, uh, a mouse's ear, that's when the best trout fishing exactly. is. Exactly. So we talk <laughs> about, uh, trout fishing and, and, you know, my, my mentor through the years has been, uh, Rennie Lavoie from Lewiston. He was my, police lieutenant when I got hired and then I went up through the ranks and was his corporal as sergeant and I was lieutenant alongside of him until he retired and I moved on to a different career but uh um he and I did a lot of trolling for a trout at this time of year and uh, that's what I talk about uh in May um, nice. it, and, and this I weave like a, a lot of anecdotal book. stories in yeah, I'm so excited. I can't wait to read this. I, I know that you sent me kind of an advanced copy and there was a little glitch in how it got sent to me. So I seriously, I'm like dying to read this. You've just done such a wonderful job setting this up. And, but I I do have to ask, are you going to do any more books after this, do you think? Well, well, absolutely. I, I got the bug <laughs> in doing this. It was Good. it was a great process. And, and I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I had originally, I wasn't sure what I was going to do because when I, when I wrote it, left it, and then went back to it, I said, boy, I really like this, but who else would, you know, is this just something, is this, is this Tom Roth's memoirs and who would care about Tom Roth's memoirs, you know? But, um, so I looked into self-publishing and then I talked to a couple friends uh, that are authors. Bruce Coffin is one. Yeah, he's, he's a retired great. Portland police officer. Yeah, I love yeah, his great, books. Great series of of murder mystery books. Phenomenal series. Yeah, I and love them. And then talked to Tom Seymour, who's a very prolific writer. He's a main sportsman columnist, and he has a I think eight or nine or ten books out himself. I talked to both of them, and they both gave me the same advice: um, send it out to a publisher first. That will be the true gauge. Those are the professionals, and they will know by reading it if there will be any interest. So. I sent it out to three publishers. I won't name names. Uh, one was a really big one. And then the other two were what I would call local main publishers that really do a good job in, in getting main writers into print. And 
those two main ones, the big one left me alone, which I expected anyway. They always say shoot for the, the stars. Uh, but, but the two main ones um, both reached out, and I simply went with the first one that contacted me, and it was um, North Country Press up in Unity, and uh, Patricia Newell op- runs that. And it was really a, pr- a pleasure to work with her. It was very simple. Um, and uh, so, so that kind of, uh, you know, with that under my belt, I'm, I'm holding as we speak the proof copy. So the first copy that came off the presses that I have to look at and make sure there are no errors. And I'll, I'll let the readers in on a secret because it won't be in their copy if they <laughs> order it. I made a, and, and, and you'll learn that about my book. Um, I will talk about mistakes I've made, anything that happens to me. I love practical jokes and I think I love them more when they happen to me. Um, so I'm, I'm always ready to admit my mistakes, but, um, I was thumbing through it the other day and I was, you know, as you can imagine, it came in the mail and I was so proud. It looks so nice. Oh, yeah. I just thought, isn't this great? I wish my parents were alive that they, they could see it, but I'm thumbing through it. And, uh, I bought a new boat last year because with a guiding business and, and me getting older, I wanted a, a more comfortable boat on Sebago, a bigger boat. And I've got a chapter called boats and motors, which, you know, those things are very important to me. It's, uh, that was a stepping stone for me as a kid when I could start the motor by myself yeah. I could take the little outboard out. That was my dad's rule. So uh, that was really some skinny little eight year old. I worked as hard as I could to get that thing, that pull cord started, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thumbing through it and it talks about uh, my new boat and I named the boat. Uh, it's a black boat, predominantly black in color. So I named it the black ghost in tribute to Herb Welch's famous fly that he created up in the Rangeley region. And I, as you'll read in the book, I spent a lot of time as a youngster and then currently in the Rangeley region. And I'm reading through it, and it says she's even named the Grey Ghost after the famous fly originated by artist guide and oh, taxidermist no. Herbert Welsh. Um, anybody Oops. that knows knows that that's Carrie Stevens' fly. Now, how I did that, I have no idea because I'm very familiar with Carrie Stevens. I'm very familiar with Herb Welsh. Um, but I, I think I write more about the gray ghost in my streamer selections when I write about trolling streamers. Well, for those who don't fly so, fish, that's a super famous fly. So I, I can see where that you would make that mistake. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I read that and I was mortified. I'm like any, any sportsman or woman worth their salt is going to read that and think that I'm the biggest fool. So I immediately sent an email to the publisher and said, Hey, fix this. So, um, I hope there's no more in there, but you know, hey, there's bound to be a, an error or two, but I really got to get that one fixed or <laughs> everybody out there. But so I'm throwing it out there. I think I will, I, I will have the proof copy. I think I get to keep this and I will have the only copy with that typo in it. So it might even be worth <laughs> it. It might be worth money. Yeah, on. exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's plug your social media uh, stuff so that people can follow you after, um, all after the interview here. Uh, I know you have a YouTube sure. channel that um, you've got some great fishing videos and things on there. What, how can they find that, uh, your YouTube channel? Thanks. You know, they can, they can go to the channel, which is, uh, simply T Roth, 1966, T R O T H 1966. Or if they query anything like, uh, I, I used to go under fishing with Tom and hunting with Tom until I started the guide business. And, and my guide business name is Sebago Lake guide services. And I thought that would be aptly named, you know, since I'm right here. So if, if you query any of those things on YouTube, they'll come up and, and again, um, you'll see some um, mistakes I make. You know, uh, I'll step into something, or uh, what was that guy? Was it Bill Dance that used to do the fishing videos, and he'd you know fall off the boat or break a rod or something? <laughs> I'm I'm not that theatrical, but you know, uh, a lot of times if I do something stupid, uh, I, it might be on there. Um, and of course, my fishing partners and hunting partners, we might I might let an expletive slip in there once in a while, but 
again, that's all part of being real. Exactly. Um, so I leave that stuff exactly. in there. I don't edit anything out. It is, it is who I am. It is what it is. And, you know, it's not vulgar. It might be a little off color, but. Uh, no, it's a nice, it's so. a nice YouTube channel. I was watching some of them last night. It's great. And, um. Good, thanks. And it's your a lot web, of fun. Yeah. And, and you have a webpage and, uh, com. Is that correct? Yes. And people yep. can go there and see what services you do offer and, and things like that. Uh, also, yep, Inst- I've got a few of my videos there. I've got a lot of pictures of clients. I do have a link to the book um, because that uh, there's a pre-order out now for the book. So people can click on the book and pre-order it. Awesome. And I think it's going to it's going to be in print within a week or so. It only takes them oh, five days once exciting. the proof is, is done to pump them out. So. And um, when it's, I it's when I put the soon. podcast out, I'll also put the link to the pre-order the book uh, in with the when this goes online, the podcast goes online. We'll make sure that link to the pre-order is also on there. So that's great. Great. Yeah, I uh, appreciate it. You're very welcome. <laughs> and how about Instagram and Facebook? You must have pages people can follow there. Yep. You know, and I and I was late coming to Facebook. My daughters, I kind of stayed away from that for a while because, of course, being in law enforcement, you see some of the downfalls that happen with with those things, but. Um, my daughter's got me urged to, uh, open a Facebook page. So I did one personally. And then, um, of course with the, and it's been nothing but positive. I, I only put positive things on there. There's no, there's nothing political. There's nothing negative. It's just Smart happy man. outdoorsy good stuff. <laughs> Smart. So, yeah. And, and, and accomplishments of my kids too. You know, I'm, yeah. you know, I, uh, you know, uh, uh, sadly we have to delete a few people when they put bad things on there. And, uh, but, but, uh, you know, you move on. So, and I, yeah, I do have a Facebook page. It's SebagoLakeGuideService.com. For some reason, they wouldn't let me put that S at the end. So, um, SebagoLakeGuideService.com is my Facebook page. Um, I do have an Instagram and that one is Tom Roth Main Guide. And um, that has, uh, you know, a few of the clips and, and pictures from the, uh, from hunting and fishing. Um, and I even do, you know, you got to stay with the time. So I had to get on the TikTok. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> um, main guide Tom is, and that's a whole other, I mean, there's some crazy stuff on there. There's some funny stuff, but there's also some weird stuff on there. But again, I'm following true to order. I'm, I'm only putting, you know, positive things on and Good. you can kind of, you can kind of fill in your, your, your slideshows with modern music. So I've got some kind of silly rap songs that maybe accompany my, um, some of my, my videos and maybe people aren't familiar with that genre of music, but, uh, I'm trying to have fun with it. And, my my girls think it's cool that I'm able to incorporate that the the modern stuff with some of my old fashioned stuff. So that is that's great. Fun. That's great. Yeah. Well, do you have any last comments before we close off here? Anything else you want no, to talk about? No, I mean it's 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 been great talking to you about the book and and um, Tom Seymour did. A, I had a number of great folks did reviews. Uh, the late George Smith really honored. I, I wish I could have gotten my book to him. I. You know, I look forward to getting a copy to people that helped me with this book. And sadly, George passed, but he reviewed it. Um, Will Lund was, who's the editor of the Maine Sportsman. He edited the book. Um, but Tom Seymour gave me a, a nice quote. He said, uh, his book has a folksy conversational tone. And he talks about like you're sitting around at the, the table at camp with friends discussing fishing and hunting. And that's what this has felt like with you. And, and that's kind of the tone of my book. So I hope uh, others will find that. Uh, you know, that it's an easy read and, and uh, that's kind of how I, you know, approach my, my articles and are going to approach this book. So I certainly hope people give it a try and uh, I'm going to be doing as, as the pandemic allows, uh, you know, some readings, maybe at some small local libraries oh, or maybe a book signing. If somebody's real excited to have a book with Tom Ross signature, on. I don't know how, how popular that would be, but the publisher tells me that's what we do with these things. So absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, I want my copy I, signed. <laughs> 
Well, absolutely, yes. Great. Yes. Well, and I'll, I'll thank have, you. have that for you, obviously, for helping me out with this. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been so much fun talking to you. And um, uh, listeners, if you would like to learn more about upcoming guests and events, you can follow my guiding page called My Main Guide Life, both on Facebook and Instagram, uh, which this season has been sponsored by a great Maine outdoor company, Rogue Life Maine. You can check out all of their wonderful clothing and gear at shop.roguewear.com. Also, please check out the other channels available here at mainlymatters.com. Check out Tom Ross' book, and I'll make sure that you get the links here with the podcast and all of his social media uh, things I'll also put in the comments on the podcast. And thank you for listening, Maine. Keep the faith, and we'll keep celebrating the wonderful people found here. Thank you.